And we praise God for the amazing, unique, all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ. And we, we, I spoke of him last Sunday as we worshiped together in the Grove in our outdoor service um, and, and, and just mentioned, as the, as the Scripture does so often, of our utter dependence on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, let's continue that thought as we look at 1 John chapter 4. And we see the, the great means by which the Lord Jesus does his ministry uh, in our lives, his multifaceted, manifold ministry in our lives. First John, toward the end of the New Testament, the first epistle of John, not the gospel of John, first John chapter four, verse one. As we read this, it may be reminiscent of some of the things that we've even seen over the past few weeks and months here in the United States. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Something amazing takes place in our lives the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. The moment, and I don't know, I don't care if, if you're a young person, a child, who finally realizes after three or four or, or five years of sinning and of, and of disobeying, of, of being uh, rebellious against their parents or, or being mean to their brother or sister or telling lies or stealing little things or whatever, the, whatever a child does, that moment when a child recognizes their need for a Savior, that they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that they need to be forgiven of their sins, and they've been taught by their parents or by their Sunday school teacher or by their grandparents or by their pastor or by all of the above, they've been taught that Jesus is the Savior. The moment they realize that and say, Jesus please forgive me. And they might use all different kinds of words to describe that. But the moment they believe, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in them. That same thing takes place when a young, when a young person, a, a teenager, um, finally recognizes that, that they cannot undo all the sins that they've done. They can't, 
their, their good things can't out, outweigh their bad things. And they, and they finally realize that all the things that they've been taught by whoever it is that's been teaching them, maybe from their own reading of God's word, the moment they put their trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in them and enables them to overcome whatever it is they're going to have to face for the rest of their lives. And on and on it goes. No matter how old the person is, no matter what their circumstances, no matter what their gender, no matter what their upbringing The moment any person, Jew or Gentile, no matter what language they speak, the moment that any person recognizes their need for a Savior, recognizing their sinfulness before God, recognizing their their deserving of God's judgment, and that Jesus Christ died for them to forgive them of their sins, the moment they believe in him, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in them. And he then, as he did the apostles in particular, Jesus told the, the, his disciples on the last night that he, that he met with them before his, his uh, crucifixion, he said that the Holy Spirit is going to come to you and is going to lead you into all truth and remind you of all the things that I taught you. Well, he did that in their lives, in their individual lives, those apostles. And and the result of that are the gospels and the epistles of our New Testament. And so as the Holy Spirit led them into all truth, then the Holy Spirit also leads us, believers who believe in Jesus because of their message. He also then helps us to discern what is right and wrong, helps us to understand uh, what is truth and what is false. And to recognize that those who, te- who teach other things than Jesus alone being the Savior, that Jesus alone is sufficient to forgive us of our sins and to give us eternal life, the Holy Spirit helps us understand that that is the spirit of the Antichrist, those who are working against the work of God. Now, certainly there is coming in the last days, there is coming an individual Antichrist, Um, who's going to deceive many people. But until he comes, the Apostle John here mentions that there are many antichrists who are operating in the spirit of the antichrist or or under the dominion of Satan who, who work against the work of Christ. And those kinds of things are happening all around us today. Now, they have been happening, but they haven't been as obvious as they've been in the last few months. And so as we live in this tumultuous era, and I use the, the term era, hoping that it's temporary, hoping that it's, that it's, you know, that it's, that it's going to be resolved uh, in the near future. But if it's not, if this, is the, if this is kind of the final ramping up of evil in the world before the Lord Jesus returns, I want you to know, I want us to know, I want myself to know as we look into God's word, that he who is in us, from the moment we put our trust in Jesus, The Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that he sealed us by his Holy Spirit. He gave us security for all eternity that the one who is in us, the Holy Spirit of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. And so whatever difficulties we might be facing, whatever challenges that this era brings to us, And it's also important to remember, all of us were having problems 
before this era began back in January or February or March or whenever all this stuff started. We were, we were already struggling with, with difficulties. But now, all of a sudden, we're all struggling with some of the same difficulties. And it, and it makes it seem even greater and even worse than it, than it was. And it is. But regardless of how difficult our days are, regardless of how difficult our times are, or they will get, we need to remember this. The one who is in us. Again, not because we're so smart, not because we're so good, not because we go to the right kind of church. The one who is in us because of faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Remember that. We are going to be victorious in our faith, in our lives, because the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. When John wrote this to the church in the first century, toward the end of the first century, they were going through all kinds of difficulty, and John writes that to them directly to let them know it's going to be okay because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And because the apostles, and that's what he's talking about toward the end of that section that I read, when he says this, when he says, they are from the world, the spirits of the Antichrist, those who are working against Christ, and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. When he says we, he's not, he's not talking about all of us Christians. He's talking about the apostles. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And we have the privilege, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, we have the privilege of listening to what the apostles said through the written word of God. And what a privilege it is this morning to hold it in my hands again, for you to hold it in your laps or in your, on your laptop or, or your, your phone or your your whatever, your tablet, all the different things, whatever you're holding it in this morning. And some of us, thank the Lord, also holding it in our minds because we, some of us have had this, this passage that I've just read memorized for years. And it was just a great encouragement as I read it, as you were just going on in your mind, you have this in your heart. We have this great privilege of identifying the truth of God because the Holy Spirit helps us understand the message of the apostles. We get to dig into it just like the first century church did. When it arrived, when, when, these, when copies of these letters arrived to the different churches uh, around the, the Roman world to begin with, what joy they, they, they experienced when they got this new letter from John or this new letter from Paul or this new letter from Peter, what joy they had. We still get to experience the same joy, even though it's not new. It's new every time we open it. It's fresh every time we, we, we read it, if we're looking to it for the truth of God. Now, if, if you're using the Bible to somehow appease your conscience or somehow to, to try to have good luck that day or something like that, all I can say is good luck, all right? It, it, that's not what it's intended for. But if you use the Bible to try to understand God's truth, to try to find out who he is and what he's done for you in Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit, if you want to find out what, how he's made the body of Christ, by his Holy Spirit, giving us the gifts of the Spirit and, and how we need to live in this world. If, if you want to find those things, then every time you open it, you're going to find fresh insight 
because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Even though he who is in the world, all the different spirits of the Antichrist are trying to convince you of, of other things other than what God says in his word, I want you to know that because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, you will overcome in your minds as you continue to believe in the truth of God. Remember, his word, as the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, his word, this written word, is breathed by God. It is the truth. That's in, in uh, 1 Timothy 3.16. It is the truth of God. And we can believe every word of it, and we can receive from it, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's the Spirit who lives in us that, re- that causes this truth to resonate in our hearts and our minds and confirms that it's the truth and that we can trust it and that we can live by it. And even though those around us might say, no, that part's not true or that part's not true or that's not, you know, that's not important anymore, I want you to know the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you will help convince you that everything that you read in the Word of God is true and is helpful and is useful and is profitable and is powerful for you as you continue to live in these difficult days. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does the moment that we receive him, as as he proves his overcoming power in this world, the first thing that he does, I want to I want to um, call your attention to what he says in that what Paul says in Titus chapter three, for the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, first Tim or excuse me Titus chapter three, I'll give you just a moment uh, to find that as I find it. First Timothy chapter three. This is a great statement of the initial work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Look what he does. First, or excuse me, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. What a description of us. There he describes us as the the spirit of the Antichrist. He describes us as those who have gone out teaching false things. We believed false things. We did false things. But look what he says then. Verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us. Now listen to this. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Do you see what the Holy Spirit did the moment we believed The Holy Spirit gave us new life. He gave us new birth. He gave us what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about, about about being born again. He he made us new. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that we're now new creations in Christ. The Holy Spirit that Jesus poured into us. And that's what, and when you see um, in the scripture, 
reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is exactly what it's talking about. We were baptized. Before we were baptized in water, hopefully if we did the order, if we were correct in the order of things, before we were baptized in water, we believed in Jesus and we were baptized by the Holy Spirit. He poured the Holy Spirit, his spirit, God himself, into our lives. And as he did that, the Holy Spirit gave us new life. He washed us clean from our sins and, and made us brand new. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That is the beginning of what he does in our lives. He literally saves us. Jesus, we refer to as the Savior. We, we refer to God in general as the Savior as well. But the Holy Spirit is the means by which Jesus Christ saves us. When we believe, he sends his spirit to live in us, to clean us, and to make us new. And that's who we are in Christ. That's why John was able to write in 1 John chapter 3, when he, when he calls us beloved, he said, we are now the children of God. That's what we are. We're the children of God because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's, that's what starts this whole, this whole transaction, this whole transformation of him who is in us being greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Therefore, as he saves us, we can have every confidence, not only that we're forgiven of our sins right now, but we're forgiven of our sins for all time. We are going to have a home in glory because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us, because he seals us for that day when we're going to see Jesus face to face. We're never going to stand before Jesus based on the good things that we've done. We're going to stand before God based on the good things that Jesus has done and that the Holy Spirit has put into our lives the moment we believed. And so as we have the Holy Spirit from the moment of our faith, from the moment of our trust in Jesus, then we need to, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual basis. We need to recognize that he is the one who gives us the power to live for Christ. And so I want to refer back to, we won't turn to it now, but the passage that Mark read in, in Psalm 51 is a great reminder of how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual basis. What David did in Psalm 51 is the model for us to live by. The way to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to, and, to, and to have his power in our lives on a regular, continual basis is that we would walk humbly before God, confessing our sins before him at all times. Psalm 51 is a, is a great picture of confession. It's also a great picture of the difference between people who believed in the Old Testament and people who now believe in the New Testament era. You notice that as, as David was confessing his sin, he said, oh God, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, David was one of the unique characters in the Old Testament who had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't live in every believer in the Old Testament, only on a select few people, some prophets, some kings, some people that were given special power by the Holy Spirit for a certain time. 
But sometimes the Holy Spirit was taken from those people. And David was in that situation after his sin. He's saying, oh, the, the worst thing that could happen, Lord, would that you would, you would take your spirit from me now that I've experienced the power of your Holy Spirit. Now that I've experienced the joy of your salvation because of your Holy Spirit, please don't take him from me. Well, we don't have to pray that in our confession because he has promised that he will never take his Holy Spirit from us. But if we continue in sin after the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, if we, if we get comfortable in sin, if we think there are certain sins that aren't that big a deal and we can just keep doing them and it's not going to impact our relationship with God and it's not going to impact the power by which we live for Christ, we're horribly mistaken. And so like David, we need to, like, like John mentions in 1 John, the, the letter that we're looking at this morning, in chapter 1, verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, that is the key to being filled by the Holy Spirit as a believer in Christ. Now, if you're not a believer in Christ, you need to confess your sins to him and believe in Jesus. And then, again, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized by him. And from that moment on, every time you confess your sins to him, you will also be filled by the Spirit so that you can live a life for the glory of God. See, this is the desire of God for every believer, that we would walk by the Spirit. And we walk by the Spirit when our sins are confessed before him, when we never try to hide our sins from God, when we never try to sweep them under the rug and say, you know what? Nobody really got hurt with that bad thought. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Or not, not that many people heard me say that. So it wasn't that big of a deal that I said something inappropriate. No, any time that we try to brush things under the rug and say they're not that big of a deal, any time there are sins against God according to his word, we need to confess it quickly. Don't wait until your next quiet time or time in the Bible. Don't wait until your next Sunday school class or your next time of worship um, together with God's people. Although use all of those times to confess your sins. Those are very helpful times, great times to remember. But don't wait on those times. When you sin, the Holy Spirit who lives in you convicts you of that sin. At that very moment, no matter what you're doing, confess your sin to God. Turn away from it, and the Holy Spirit will fill you again with the joy of your salvation and with the power that only God can give us to live our lives for the glory of God in all circumstances, in all situations, in all eras of history, even this era that we're living in now. You know, we're facing difficulty. We're facing hard times. But I tell you, there are people around the world who would love our hard times. They would love our difficulties because they've been going through stuff like this and worse for, for decades. And there are people throughout the history of the, of the world, especially the history of the church, who have gone through terrible persecutions, terrible hardships. And they would say, oh, what these, you know, what these Americans are, are having trouble with today, br- you know, bring that kind of trouble on. But you know what? Our trouble is real trouble. Our difficulties are real trouble. And they cause us problems in trying to live life like we normally live it. And what we need to remember through these problems, through these difficulties, light or heavy as they may be, because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, 
we have every reason to believe that we will be victorious no matter what the difficulties are. Now, we're all hoping that this pandemic goes away. We're seeing signs of it sometimes that, that you know, it's, it's, it's starting to be less, you know, less impactful and, and, and starting to, as we've said, you know, flatten the curve, all this kind of, but we don't know. We don't know how long it's going to be around. We're, we're all hopeful that sometime soon the riots in, the, in, in our major cities are, are going to go away and the uncertainty of safety in those cities is, 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 is going to be restored, that, that safety is going to be restored. We're all hopeful for that to happen soon, but we don't know. Those things might, might continue on. They might get worse. But those aren't the things that determine our security. Those aren't the things that determine you know, our hopefulness. Those aren't the things that will determine whether we're going to be victorious or not. The Holy Spirit who is in us is greater than he was in the world. And so no matter what the challenge, no matter what the problem, no matter what the obstacle that we might face, if we face it in his power, we're going to be victorious. And that's what the Apostle John was, a, was, was giving to the first century that he's giving to us, by, again, by the power of the Spirit. Because remember, it was the Holy Spirit himself that inspired John to write these very words. And these words weren't just effective for the first century believers. They're effective also for the 21st century believers. In all the world, all, of the, all believers everywhere have this same hope that he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. And so I'll remind you again, those of you who are, who are with us who may not yet believe in Jesus, let me encourage you, don't face these difficult times on your own. And more importantly, don't face the end of your life, which you never know when that's coming. Don't face the end of your life not knowing for sure that you're going to have an eternity with God in his glory. And you can have that assurance. You can have that guarantee. You can have what's called, and again, in Ephesians chapter 1, the seal of the Holy Spirit for all eternity if you put your trust if you believe in Jesus Christ, that's how you receive him. That's how he saves you. Because the moment you believe in him, his Holy Spirit comes in and does all of those things for us that we could never do. It's not by our own righteousness that we're saved. It's by the righteousness of Christ put into our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit will not only save you, he will also give you victory throughout your life, no matter what the circumstances that you face, no matter what the difficulties of the era, he will always give you victory as you live by his power through Jesus Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the privilege of opening your word together, at least here in the United States, we know that some of our brothers and sisters who are, who are listening and, and being a part of this service from other countries don't have the full freedom that we do in many cases. But we thank you that here in the United States, we're able to talk about Jesus. We're able to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're able to talk about the spirit of Antichrist that is, that is reigning supreme right now. We're able to do these things without fear. We thank you for that. But as we consider your word together, we pray that you would work in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
to take seriously the wonderful ministry that he has in our lives. And that we would not hinder him, that we would not quench him, that we would not hold him back in our lives by hanging on to sins. By thinking that somehow our lives are better if we continue to sin. Help us to take every sin seriously and confess it to you as David did. Recognizing your complete and quick willingness to forgive us and restore our fellowship with you and to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And so we pray for our friends who are listening, who still haven't received Jesus. We pray that you would give them the confidence and the courage and the faith right now. Say, Jesus, I need you. I've been thinking about this for a while and now I know I need you and you alone. Please forgive me. And Father, we know that as they pray that prayer, that you will send your Holy Spirit to do that very thing, that you will save them, that you will clean them, that you will make them new, that you'll give them power from on high to live life for your glory, to come to life like that glove comes to life once a hand is put in it. Father, you do that in every person who puts their trust in Jesus. And Father, for those of us who have been believers, some of us for many years, help us to remember, to be encouraged, to be strong, to be filled with the joy of our salvation through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we humble ourselves before you, confess our sins, and realize the power that you've given us because he who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. We thank you for that truth. Help us to live in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as the praise team leads us in this next song, use this time to commit yourself to allowing the Holy Spirit to doing all that he wants to do in your life as you humble yourself before him and confess your sins and live in that kind of confession, that kind of repentance, that the Holy Spirit might continually fill you, that you might walk in the victory that he has promised because he is greater than the spirits of the Antichrist who are all around us and working against us. But we have no fear of that or of them because he was in us is greater than he was in the world. Maybe you want to use this time as the praise team sings to commit yourself to Christ, to trust in Jesus. Do that as we sing. Whatever the case, let's sing together with, with the fullness that God has given us as we commit ourselves to his truth. <laughs>